And I mean, like, everyone's trying to tell me their issues, and I'm like, bitch, can you just cue up my drum? Welcome to Rebel Girls Book Club. I'm Harmony. And I'm Maggie. And we're here to take an intersectional, feminist approach to books from all over the spectrum. Bestsellers, we've got you covered. That one book from English class you hated while you read but you can't forget? We've got that too. Comic books? Nonfiction? It's all right here. So grab your tea, grab your blanket, and let's get rebellious about your favorite new reads. Hello world, welcome back to Rebel Girls Book Club. I am Maggie. And I am Harmony. And this week we are reading Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki, who is a familiar name on the podcast because we discussed one of her poems last year from her collection. Or was it the year before? Time is a myth. But it was from her collection, Why Dust Shall Never Settle Upon This Soul. Light from Uncommon Stars is, I believe, her first full-length novel. And it's pretty cool. Harmony, do you want to tell us your, like, impressions of the novel and or give us a summary? Okay. So my summary of this book is a cute little queer girl runs away and obtains two lesbian aunties. And also we figure out how to deal with the end of the world. That's my that's my brief summary of this book. What do you think, Maggie? I can circle back in a sec. What were your first impressions? My first impressions. So as I was reading, I was like, wow, it's so cool that we got two lesbian aunties. And then I was like, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I was like, this is a nice book. I'm so glad we got two lesbian aunties. And then it was like a, wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen. There are demons. And then it was like a, wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen. There are aliens. And then, you know, I got a little bit deeper into the story, a little bit farther along. Because this, this, I spent about maybe three weeks listening to this book. I listened to the audiobook for it. So I got a little bit deeper along and I was like, oh shit. Oh shit, we're talking about real life. Oh shit, this is how I get over depression oh shit, this is what we do in the face of late stage capitalism and, you know, the world ending. Oh shit, all we gotta do is love. All you need is love, baby. And that was, those were my impressions. What about yours, Maggie? So this was my second time reading this book and I liked it even more than I did the first time. I think it was absolutely fantastic. Kind of for all of the reasons that Harmony said, which is that this is ultimately... This is a book that deals with very heavy topics. This is a book that deals directly with transphobia. This is a book that deals with the pressures of capitalism. This is a book that deals with what happens when our relationship to art warps in the face of capitalism, I would say. It's a book about depression, but it's also a very hopeful book. It's a book that's full of light, and it's a book that says there's a way out of these dark places that we can find ourselves in and that there are people in the world who will accept us face value and that kind of acceptance is really beautiful i would say to expand on harmony summary just a smidge just just a a smoogin in this book we follow katrina who has to leave her house after she comes out to her parents as being trans and they are very unaccepting of that situation shall we say So she leaves and she goes to LA where she's initially staying with a friend of hers who takes advantage of her. A brief trigger warning for the fact that there is sexual assault that takes place on the page in this book. It's probably like half a page long, but just so you're all aware that does occur. And Katrina is, after she's sort of dealing with this trauma, found playing the violin by a woman named Mishizuka. 
Miss Shizuka is the queen of hell because she's made a deal with the devil in order to try and get her violin playing back that she will essentially find seven virtuoso violinists in seven years and sacrifice their souls to hell. So when Miss Shizuka and Katrina find each other, it all kind of works out for them in the short term because Miss Shizuka on her very last months of this contract before her soul is going to be taken by hell and she thinks that Katrina could be her last virtuoso violinist. And it works out for Katrina because Miss Shizuka becomes a place for her to turn and a place for her to live and a place for her to go and live not only in safety, but in that acceptance as she's essentially navigating the early stages of transition and very different life circumstances. And then the aliens come in because Miss Shizuka stumbles upon a donut shop run by a woman named Lon, who is an alien who is essentially running away from the end of times and the end of the world, which as you go through the novel, you discover that the end of the world is in many ways apathy. So all three of these perspectives kind of come together to create this very beautiful, very queer love story. Those are my impressions. That's the summary. That's the baseline. (laughs) Yeah, it's a wild story. So I wanted to start off, if this is okay with you, Maggie, because I've been writing our season four syllabus, which I can't get down because I don't know how to put widgets into WordPress, in case you were wondering. So that's why it's taking so long. And I have some overarching questions that I think we should consider this this season. So the first one is how much agency do our main characters have? So who are our main characters in the story? We have Miss Shizuka, who is the Queen of Hell, as Maggie mentioned. We have Katrina, who is our cute little runaway teen. She's probably like 18. I think she's in her early 20s. Really? I think so, yeah. Okay. We have Katrina, who's our runaway young person. And we have... We have Lon, who is the captain of a ship, and they call her the captain, but her the, her ship and her crew is made up of her family, her young children, and her, her aunt. And so her goal is to come to the earth to find a place to, to live after her, her world, as Maggie has already mentioned, has been ravaged by the end plague, which is apathy. And it happens to every civilization. What happens is... We eventually realize after we've advanced so far that every great civilization ends up ending. And that staring into the the fact that we all end gives us this end plague, this apathy that makes us not appreciate life or art or little joys and happiness. So she is here to, to make a donut shop because that is what she can get commissioned from her world's business board and she is going to allow visitors of the donut shop to see this great star event from the donut shop. So she's just here to try and make a safe space for her family because her world has been ravaged by this this apathy and she is really a a business person who calls herself a captain. And so that's that's an incredibly interesting character to me. But anyway, looking at those three characters, how do we think that each of them may or may not have agency within the story? That's a super interesting question to start with, especially because I think in this story specifically, the answer is really complicated. I think that on the surface, it seems like every character has a really high level of agency. They are all often doing what is best for them or for their families at any given time. 
when you look at somebody like Miss Shizuka, for example, you think, you know, on the surface, she's very much somebody who's doing what's best for her at any given moment. She literally made a deal with the devil and has sacrificed six people in order to move that forward for herself, you know? But when you dig deeper, I think, into all three of these characters, what seems like agency on the surface, and is agency to a certain extent, is really complicated when you think about the power structures that they're all navigating in. So, for example, Katrina is probably the character that's most based in, quote unquote, the real world, just in the sense that before she meets Lon and Mishizuka, she's not connected with the supernatural or sci-fi in any way. So Katrina's really dealing with the structural inequities of being a trans woman and being a trans woman of color and being in a non-accepting space. Katrina starts off the novel by taking the agency to leave a non-accepting space and leave her family behind, but then her choices become more limited by the circumstances of inequity in the world, essentially. So then we're watching her make choices and try and live her best life and make the choices that are best from her within circumstances that are being limited from outside forces. And I think that you can almost see similar things happening with Miss Shizuka, right? The more you dig into her character, the more you find out she made a really, really controversial choice to make this deal with the devil, to make, the, to make this deal with Tremon. And... Has, since then has been trying to operate within the confines of said contract. And at the end, the whole narrative with her and Katrina is that she decides to defy the contract and move outside of it. And so we watch her almost take that agency back. And that becomes even more complicated when you discover how she ended up in the contract in the first place and the pressures that kind of put her to make that choice to begin with. And I think that Lon is also in a very similar situation and that Lon, again, had the agency to leave home, but is now in a system, in a solar system where there's a lot of societal inequity happening. She's trying to operate within that and she's fleeing the plague. She's a refugee, right? She's working with a high level of agencies in some ways, but in other ways is also just kind of responding to things that are happening in the best way possible. So... Yeah, I think that on the surface, it seems like all three of these characters have really high levels of agency, but how Western society in the United States works kind of changes and warps what those opportunities look like because of white supremacy and white privilege. Yeah, and so if it wasn't clear before, all three of our characters, our main characters, Katrina is actually, I think she says that she might be, she's Vietnamese and and maybe Mexican, I think it, she said, and something else, I believe. So she is all types of multiracial, but they all present as some type of East Asian woman. And I say present because Lon is really an alien. <laughs> and I definitely think that does play into it. I think on the surface, it seems like Shizuka has the most agency from a material standpoint because she is rich and she has she has fame as well. And she is the person who is choosing who, who gets to live or die in, in her situation. But she is trapped by that constraint of having to make having made a deal with the devil. And also because all of this is a quest for her to be able to play her beautiful music again, which we find out at the end, spoiler alert, she never actually lost. She could she could always play her music, but this is part of why she made this deal with it with a demon. So I think in that case, what we see is her take back her agency, like Maggie said before, by figuring out that she does not have to condemn other people in order to achieve her dreams and goals. And then I think for Katrina, I think Katrina's interesting because I think Katrina 
visibly has the least material agency. Only kind of semi-related to this, Katrina is a sex worker because that is one of the easiest ways that she can obtain money. Being, you know, being a young woman who just came from home, probably, it do- I don't think she- we ever hear about her going to college. It doesn't sound like she has a lot of other career skills. And her main skill is the violin. I think what we see Katrina bring, and we, we see her agency build up as her relationship with Shizuka grows, because Shizuka is really instrumental to helping her come to terms with the fact that she herself, she knows she's a woman, but coming to terms with the fact that she can be a trans woman and still a woman, and she does not deserve hatred for that from the outside world, helping her become confident with herself, because that's where a lot of her self-inflicted lack of agency comes from. But for Katrina, I think what she brings in terms of agency is this this mindset of perception because she and it, it comes from the fact that she's trans and the fact that she is old she feels she's always in danger. So she has this this almost magical ability to perceive everything that's going on around her and listen to it. And I think that she also has agency with this mindset of non-hierarchy, I would say. And that she she's the one who tells Shizuka that there's a game out there where you can travel through hell and, and not kill anybody in order to get out. And she's constant she she has no interest in competing. Katrina just wants to exist and wants the, the world to be safe for everybody, including herself. And because she comes from a position that is so lower tier in our society on a physical standpoint, she is able to bring this sort of equity to the forefront for both Shizuka and Lon. And Lon is interesting too, because as we said, she is a refugee. But I think that Lon Lon has a lot of agency in terms of technology and in terms of being able to order about her family and those the people around her, but she's really trapped in this idea of needing to work and needing to protect and being constrained to this role of leader, in addition to being a refugee and having to deal with the crisis is there. But I think personally, she's really trapped in this, like, I must be a leader, and I must make the deci- the life and death decisions. And so for her coming to terms with having a romantic relationship and and with the need for breaks and finding small joys like feeding the ducks is really how she gains more agency to become a full person because she can't just be on all the time. So I think for, through Lon, we really get to see burnout culture play out. I don't know. I don't know if any of that made sense. What do you think, Maggie? I think a lot of that made sense. I think that's something I want to jump on, though, is also about Lon, which is that Lon... I think is also really trapped in a system of categories because of all of this. And you see this play out in for what for me was the most compelling way with her relationship with her daughter, Shirley, because Shirley is not her biological offspring like her other children. Shirley is an AI. And Lon has a very complicated relationship with Shirley because of that in the sense that Lon kind of, Lon does view Shirley as her daughter, but she also views Shirley as being an AI kind of first and foremost. And she really struggles with the fact that Shirley views herself as being Shirley and Lon as being her mom. And that's kind of the end of it for Shirley. And so part of the journey we see Lon go on is like taking the agency to I think, push outside of prescribed roles in all areas of her life. 
and understand that the beauty of human interaction and human relations, for lack of a better word, because she's an alien, is the ways in which that the nature of relationships defies categories if you let them and that everybody has so much to teach you and there can be so much beauty in a relationship if you don't let labels and categories limit you. And it's really interesting too because Lon is limited by categories in some ways and not in others, right? When Lon and Mishizuka start seeing each other and it's clear that it's romantic, Lon doesn't seem to have any qualms about the fact that they're in a lesbian relationship or that it's queer. So I think she was also a really fantastically interesting character because I think she was so human in the way in which that she doesn't see her own biases about Shirley and about AI at first. And so she's so open-minded in some aspects, but then she's still limited in others. And I thought that that was just a really beautiful way to talk about agency and talk about categories and talk about bias while also wrapping up wrapping it all up in like a very beautiful but also very complicated relationship i think with lon one of the best things about this book is that we get to see it's kind of like a reminder about about why we should still care about humanity even though we're seeing all these really brutal things play out even though shizuka is willing to kill six people including katrina it seems like for a large part of the book who she's grown these really fond feelings for even though we have such hatred and we mostly see it slung towards katrina but we've also seen it slung towards lon and we see her son in particular deal with some of that hatred and really turns him him into a hateful person but even though this book doesn't shy away from any of the problems plaguing humanity. Through Lon, we get to see why we should still care. And I think that, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I love seeing it, seeing things. I love her. I love seeing her journey to like grapple with all of the horrors of the world. Because Lon is a, Lon is new here. And also discover like, why it still matters. Why Shizuka's violin music is more important to her than the life of others and why she should take that seriously even though one would think death over violin death over violin right because it's it's beauty and then also there's a huge subplot in the book where lon is making donuts and nobody is enjoying them because they're made from a formula they just they lack something they should work the recipe is right, but they're they're lacking. And what's lacking there is this enthusiasm of love, maybe, or taste. And Lon's auntie goes and takes Lon's youngest son. And they go and explore all the different foods in the Los Angeles County area. And they get to see and taste each one. And so what they're trying to bring is a feeling. So I think that that idea that grappling with feelings, right, this material thing can make me feel. And and that's part of why capitalism has been so successful, because like, I love consuming media, right? I love to consume things because it makes me feel and that can't completely be discounted, even though it's not necessarily always morally, even though it doesn't always lead us to the best moral place. So I think this book grapples with these real world problems that we're dealing with in terms of I like to consume and consumption makes me feel good and we can't just completely throw all of that away. And as Maggie kind of touched upon in the beginning of the episode, a lot of that is talking about art, but art can mean different things because this book very much subverts our ideas about art. In particular, we see Katrina 
playing video game music rather than high classical music. So I think it's more than art. I think it's all of this idea of consumption and consumption's place within society and how we can keep that consumption while still making a fair and safe and equitable environment for all. I don't know. What do you think about that, Maggie? I think that's interesting because I think that for me, art is intrinsically tied with all of those things already. So like to me, they don't feel separate by any means. And it was funny. I I laughed for a second while you were talking and I know that you noticed, but I laughed because I realized that because of my background, I have such a different relationship to this book and Shizuka specifically than you probably do because I am Shizuka in terms of the fact that I grew up a musician And I spent my entire life thinking I was going to be a professional musician and then I got hurt and now I can't play anymore. So I identify really closely with Shizuka and even some of the shitty decisions that she would make. Not to say that I would kill to get my art back that is probably farther than I would go, but that flirtation for her and those choices that she made, I can relate. And I think I and I think that a lot of the point of her character is that art and beauty and creativity are the thing that take us from surviving to living and thriving. And those things are as big as life and death for people. And those things are intrinsically and inherently important and what make humans beautiful, I think. And I think that too, all of this also relates to the fact that I think that one of the messages I get from the end of the book, which is that Lon essentially is able to whisk Suzuka away on her ship to a different galaxy and the devil can't follow her so he can't collect her soul or finish the bargain is that creativity is what saves us from apathy and creativity is also what can save us from the systemic pressures of the world that we live in of we don't have to be necessarily only stuck with bad choices if we can think creatively about how to reshape and restructure the world And for that and Shizuka's character and also for Katrina's character, because that whole plan is actually thought up by Lon and Katrina and they have to keep it from Shizuka. It's inherently based in being an artistic person and being a musical person. And those are the powers that let them think creatively about the world. For Lon, it's because she's coming from a different background. It's because for her, technology is her art. That programming is her art. And Katrina is totally based in it here in that music, in the violin music. I do want to say, though, something that's interesting about Katrina's character that I really like, just from like a musical perspective, it's not that she doesn't play classical music, because she does. It's that she plays both. She raises video game music up to the level that a lot of music snobs only put classical music at. So it's not one or the other. It's about understanding all holistically as this like really beautiful and valuable art form which isn't to say that it's the same or homogenous just that beauty and creativity can come from so many different places and be honored in so many different ways thank you for highlighting that i want to touch a little bit about katrina's role as an artist because for a long time in this book before shizuka and katrina meet because it takes them it takes them a hot sec to get there Shizuka is looking for this seventh soul and she's looking for someone whose music reminds her of home and she thinks that she hears it in Katrina's music but it turns out that really what she was looking for ended up being her song all along it ended up being her music and so I want to look at Katrina as an artist because Katrina has no formal training she's self-taught and 
I think it's reasonable we can assume from outside of the characters' perspectives in this book that Katrina has some raw talent. But I think that a lot of what makes her a great violinist towards the end of the book is all of the resources that Shizuka has poured into her. And, and, and also the fact that Shizuka has taken the time to help Katrina deal with her, her other physical issues in terms of like need, like having a house and food and like not having to worry about money, but then also her issues in terms of confidence and presenting the way she does and, and how that works within the outside world. Because the outside world has for so long told her that she is wrong and she's really internalized this. And so I think that that's important to highlight because it kind of goes to show the fact that like any of us could get there. Any of us, all of us have the capability of being artists as long as our resources are met. And I think that's part of why it's so important that we find out that Shizuka actually was hearing her own music all along, that Katrina wasn't necessarily special. She was just a girl in need. And it was like a right time, right place sort of moment for, for Shizuka and Katrina to meet, I guess. Because I, I don't know. I think that's important. I think I like the idea. I don't know if the book is firmly going on, on in saying this, but I think I like the idea that Katrina could have just been any other violinist. Because it does show that we could all have this potential as long as we're loved and taken care of. I really like that interpretation of what's going on. And I think that it's correct. But I do want to add... This, this book is so steeped in music that I do want to add that I do think it is talking about another question that happens in the larger musical community as well, which is essentially what matters most and what makes art? Is it technique? Is it talent? Is it emotion? What does that triangle of things look like? Because Katrina has the talent and she has the emotional aspect of it in Shizuka's eyes. It's the technique that she pours the resources into to bring her up to speed. And so I agree with you, but I do think that on top of that, there's another conversation going on about what makes great art. And the fact that often I think that question is answered with somebody who is technically a master of what they do. But often somebody, or sometimes people who are just technically masters of what they do create work that feels hollow because there isn't that emotional aspect of it. There isn't that, I don't know, innate charisma that can sometimes come with art. I think specifically performing art. I really also related to that question in the book because I was a good pianist. I had a lot of resources poured into me. I was a technically solid pianist. But when I competed, the feedback I always got was I did well because I could pull on the heartstrings of whoever was listening to me. I dropped seven notes in the piece, but they were willing to overlook it because I could pull that charisma out sort of thing. So I think that there is a level at which Katrina could have been anybody, but the innate quality that she brought that Shizuka saw was herself and her ability to connect emotionally. And that's the art. It's not the technique inherently it's you and what you bring to the table and that's the thing that can't be taught and I do think that that is an interesting conversation that's also happening in the art community that doesn't necessarily negate anything you were saying but I do think at least deserves to be layered on top of it if that makes sense 
as a non-artist, because I am not an artist at all, I think I, I want to push back about whether the book is talking about this idea of emotion and connectivity and, and authenticness being something that you can't teach. Because I think that Katrina actually does, I think that one of the great things about Katrina is that she does end up teaching that to other people. There is a student, and I'm going to mute myself in just a second so you can tell me the name of the student, Miss Maggie who would have really wanted to be Shizuka's seventh student and who seems poised and ready to have been Shizuka's ready student, next seventh student. And her name is... Tamiko Grohl is the student and she is the student currently of Ellen Seidel. Yes. So Tamiko Grohl, Shizuka goes to see her play because she thinks before she meets Katrina that maybe that's where the music is coming from and I think that when she sees her play to Shizuka at least it seems kind of hollow like Maggie is describing but after Tomiko sees Katrina play she goes up and she performs a piece that even though it's not as uplifting is equally as authentic and moving and I think that also Katrina's playing is what helps Shizuka find her music again. Seeing Katrina's authenticity shows her that as well, right? So Katrina goes out there and plays, and what she ends up doing is inspiring the artist and every one of us, right? I think that the aunt character, who I think is really only referred to as auntie or auntie so-and-so of Lon's, also ends up teaching Lon how to find artistry. But I think that Katrina's authenticity ends up rubbing off partially onto Lon as well. I would argue that this book is arguing that we all have that potential for artistry and authenticity no matter what. I agree with you, but I think what Katrina does is she teaches people how to tap into that and communicate that for for themselves, not that she teaches people that that authenticity is there or possible. I think that the whole point for me is that Everybody is already authentic, but Katrina is able to show showcase and show people how to communicate that authenticity. That's her superpower almost, is being able to sh- teach that aspect of it. It's not that she's teaching people to of themselves, it's that she's teaching people how to communicate that to others. But I think that it's mostly a lead by example sort of thing. She goes out and does it and she makes you feel and having that feeling inspires others. I agree with that, but then at the end of the book, we see her go, We uh, Shizuka checks in with Katrina, and we see Katrina, the first time she does it, she's teaching by example, but she started teaching professionally and for real. So she beca- so it's it almost starts out like an accident the first couple of times, and that's what we see in the book. But then she, for lack of a better word, capitalizes on it. She then starts actually formally teaching it to people, and that's the next step in her journey as both an artist and as a person and an individual. But I do think that the confidence aspect of it is huge for her in unlocking that ability to communicate for herself, because that's what Shizuka is able to help her with, both in her real life and in her performance. And all of the times where Katrina's playing really beautifully has often come after moments where Shizuka's really affirmed to Katrina that she looks at her and she only sees a woman. 
And one of the most powerful moments for me was reading this scene where Katrina is having a really, really hard time because she has very large hands and Shizuka's complimenting her because she can reach really difficult fret positions on the violin. And Katrina has a moment where she's like, I'm really dysphoric about my hands. I feel like they out me as a trans person. Like, I'm not into that. And Shizuka is like hearing all of this and she and then she like looks and she has Katrina play something like that. And is basically like, look at all of this beauty right here. This is you creating that. This beauty is inherent in your hands and it's an inherent in you. And after that turning point, we're able to see Katrina create so much more music that communicates herself authentically. So I think that it's also a back and forth in terms of teaching that communication because Katrina helps unlock Shizuka's voice for her by being so authentically herself. But Shizuka also gives her those soft, gives Katrina those soft skills as well to build that confidence to be able to showcase it. So it's like complicated and who's doing what and who's teaching what as well, because it's also very intertwined. I agree. I understand. So I guess, is there more that you want to touch on or or can I get to a closing question? We can go to a closing question. I think that there's a million different directions we could take this book, but yeah. So what I want to know, Maggie, is what you're going to take from this book and bring with you into the real world. Oh, that's a lovely question. I think it's actually really related to, I guess I have two answers. The first is that the antidote to apathy is, I think, a mix of creativity and empathy and being able to move beyond how we've been trained to look at and see the world. And that's really powerful and really hopeful. And then the second is, I think, in service of that, which is that art can be a really powerful way to move all of those things forward simultaneously as a way to combat apathy yeah I think that those are kind of the two intertwined lessons that I take away the most yeah I think mine is 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 similar I think that like art connection rest safety the feeling of safety those are these like small moments I think I'm I'm gonna take it as those are my those are my moments that can help change my brain that can help me rock my brain and look for new solutions Because I think that every time we see a character resolve something in this novel, it's coming from this connection that they feel through those things, right? Because they're resting with someone, often in Lon's case. Because in Katrina's case, she feels safety because other people are taking care of her and showing her love. And Shizuka's case, because she's falling in love. And then through through those those three main things those like safety things we we see these characters gain new experiences together that often involve art like viewing different violinists and feeling something or going to different food restaurants but these are often shared experiences so having those those small shared experiences and and small moments and paying attention to them i think is the way that we can reframe our brain and be like all right here we are heading towards the end plague of end stage capitalism or late stage capitalism and how do i fix this this is what i can do and i think it's also great that we see so many of those moments happen in such small ways that they're not big things right aside from the performance that katrina gives or the two performances, I'll say, which are larger scale, a lot of this reframing happens in these small spaces of simply talking to one another, going out to to a restaurant. And I feel like that feels a lot more doable. All right, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to hang out with my friend Maggie here and we're going to talk and have a good time and, and talk about a book and that's beautiful and we're experiencing art together. And this is how, this is how we end up changing the world in some big way, right? Because this is what we're giving our brains in order for them to have their little refresh, their little brain oil change. And now we can see the world differently. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to take with me. I don't know if that was coherent. <laughs> no, I think it was very coherent. And I think too that this book really celebrates the beautiful things that can happen with human connection and giving yourself space for that and giving yourself space to have connections is a really, really powerful and really beautiful tool. And we didn't touch on this, but I will say that one thing I love about this book is that as much as it's a book that celebrates human connection, it's also a book that showcases how technology can both help and hurt those things. Because I think so often you just hear about the ways in which social media is like killing kids' ability to socialize, which is just one of those like clickbait titles that just gets boomers really, really upset. But like this book really handles the numerous ways human connection can happen with a lot of nuance and, it, and it's critical where it needs to be critical, but it's also celebratory where it needs to be celebratory. And I think to go off your metaphor as well, your brain is your brain is not a car in the sense that it needs an oil change a lot more often than you think, you know, you need you need to be giving yourself that rest and that space a lot more often than late stage capitalism will have you think. And I think that that's a huge part of Lon's journey specifically is like discovering that and seeing the places that she needs rest and just like discovering the simplicity in feeding ducks and things like that. And those moments can really be the things that I think remind you that the earth is a beautiful place to live and I don't want the planet to die. As weird as that sounds, it's it can be so easy to get caught up in the apathy of like, how can I even care anymore? There's so many terrible things happening. There's not going to be a planet. Celebrating those moments of connection and those little moments of beauty in whatever form they come to you are I think the things that like recharge you to say, this is all worth it. It's like worth the work that it's going to take to make the world a better place. Steps. Okay. Those were my big closing questions, I think. Let me check my syllabus. Yeah, I think we answered that. All right, Maggie, is there anything else you want to say to the people? What's happening next week is we have an interview going live with Louise Hare, who is the author of Miss Aldrich Regrets. Which is a great, good for her book. That's my that's my summary. My brief, brief summary of Miss Aldrich Regrets. It's a good for her story. Not spoiling. All right, let's tell the people bye. Goodbye, people. Goodbye, people. Bye. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher app. You can support this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash RGBC and clicking the support this podcast button. Our episode schedule can be found in our show notes or by going to our website, Rebel Girls Book. Dot club and clicking read along with the show you can follow us at rgbc pod on instagram at rebel girls book club on facebook at rebel girls book one on twitter and you can email us at rebel girls book club at gmail.com our theme song is called pretty boys make me feel ugly and it's by the gays See you soon, and remember to read rebelliously.